Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sharing the Journey. This is Shelly, and today I'm here with Carrie, and Carrie is going to talk about a disability angle that we have never talked about on this podcast, so I'm I'm excited about that. Um, Carrie, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little about yourself and what your connection is with disability. Yeah, my name is uh, Carrie Roberts, and I work as a youth pastor in Norman, Oklahoma, and um, my disability is I have dyslexia, and I have been diagnosed with ADHD, and that is quite the challenge. Um, I'm also an ordained minister, so it was quite the challenge to have both of those and um, go through the course of study and college to be able to be ordained. I can't even imagine. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. Um, tell me about your childhood. What was influential in shaping you in your childhood? Um, so I did not grow up in a Christian home. The one thing that influenced me the most was when I was in sixth grade, I broke a girl's finger. Her name was Ashley Keeling. And instead of her parents uh, calling the police or forcing us to pay the medical bills, they decided to take me to church and they drove and picked me up for um, about 10 years back and wow. forth and took me to a very small Paul's Valley uh, Nazarene church. And <clears throat> from there, it took me a while to uh, get saved, find the Lord, just because of the struggles of my mom died when I was five in a house fire along with my baby brother and oh, my yeah. parents and and my older siblings had just spent more time doing drugs. Um, it's just quite the struggle there. And so this was the biggest influence that ever happened in my life. And it shaped me to who I am today. I, I truly believe I wouldn't be a pastor, probably wouldn't even know the love of Jesus without this family. And um, one of the things I really always like to say about what happened there is how important children's church and um, you know, youth group, all those small things, Sunday school, how important that is. Cause that wasn't like imprinted on Ashley for her to tell her mom that I needed Jesus instead of trying to just stay away from me. Wow. So your teenage years, um, you were in uh, church they, for that time. What? Yeah, they, they were rough. I was in church, but I was living in a household. I lived with my grandparents, my mom's parents, and they did not attend church. You know, uh, they struggled really hard. My mom was their only child. Oh, wow. And so um, my sister, by the time I was in my teens, she's five years older than me. So she was already doing drugs and she was beating me quite a bit. And so... Uh, I spent most of my teen years trying to work a fast food job and just stay out of that house. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you think that, I guess I'm wondering, have you seen the Lord use that environment in any way in your life? Or is it still something that you struggle with kind of a why me or maybe both? I mean, both would certainly be understandable. 
that environment of just um, growing up without a mother and growing up in a drug addict type of home, I have, yes. I've seen it both ways. Uh, when I was younger and just kind of starting to be a Christian, um, I had a lot of like survivor's guilt mm -hmm. of trying to figure out like, why am I still alive? Like, why, what do I need to do to like earn my, my place on, on earth? And then there was a lot of anger, you know, because of that, because I was like, how do I serve the one that ultimately like seems like took away my normal life, you know, because I didn't get to have um, a mom and a dad. But as I got older, it shaped me in a way of like understanding that kind of the way we look at things of if like, you know, God took that away from me so I could to could grow more. That's really not how I see it. It's more of like, I have more compassion as a pastor when people um, come to me after someone has died, because I know, like, I feel like the God that I serve when my mom and brother died, it wasn't necessarily for me to grow, but it hurt him just as much as it hurts me. Hmm. Um, for one of his children to have to die and then for his other children to have to suffer the pain from that death. Um, that's ultimately what I feel like I have learned today and, and growing in just like the knowledge of like how the Lord feels for his children, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it, it can't help but shape me, you know, um, and it just has taken a long time to be able to, for me to be able to look at it through like God's eyes and not look at it through like angry, you know, I deserve better eyes, you mm -hmm. know, because it was a tragedy on both sides, um, I believe. Hmm. So how did you eventually get out of that home and, and begin your adult life? So when I was um, 16 and a half, I started dating who is my husband now. And at around the same time, my sister had went out and got drunk and was high and had came home one evening and hit me um, with a baseball bat and had beat me pretty bad. And um, I just ran away. And I lived in my car and I kind of finished out high school sleeping in my car and at people's houses. And I was working at a fast food job. And right after high school, I got married and moved into a house with my husband. And that's pretty much how I got out of the mm -hmm. situation. My sister continued to live there and she continues to struggle with an, a drug addiction and my grandparents passed away a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you're married now. Do you have kids? I do. I have a 13 year old. His name is Lance and a 10 year old. His name is Connor. Cool. So probably a middle schooler and a fifth grader, fourth grader. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, so since since I asked about your kids, I'll just go ahead and ask what what about parenting um, 
challenges or increases your faith? Oh, the challenges are trying to implement, um, you know, a godly and biblical lifestyle. Sorry, Rain just stepped on the computer. Anyway, keep going. She wants me Um, to pet her this morning. (laughs) Just trying to keep that um, non-American culture uh, parenting skills and keep more of a biblical skills um, and things that I never had as a child that I want to implement um, in my kids. But the reality is it's just really hard when everybody is going all their different ways and there's homework and there's sports and there's dinner to get on the table. And as a pastor, sometimes I'm called out in the evening time or I'm at camp or I'm gone. And that is, um, a huge struggle just trying to do life and implementing um, biblical stuff in that life. Um, yeah. Just trying to have a wholesome familyhood of playing games and less, you know, TV is hard enough. And then, but I would like to, you know, constantly add some type of like right now we're in the Advent season of the church calendar. Mm-hmm. So our family is doing, um, reading of the scripture on Sunday night and lighting the candles. And sometimes we're lighting the candles at 11 o'clock at night because Sundays are like my busiest day, you know? Right. Sure. And so, but I want my kids to be able to grow up and have some, you know, some good knowledge of Christ and what his parents, you know, that their parents truly believe. Mm-hmm. So, when and how were you diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD? So I always knew um, something wasn't right. My school years were just super hard. I spent a lot of them out in the hallway. I actually grew up in a smaller town than Paul's Valley. I grew up in Stratford, Oklahoma, and it was just a rural town. They didn't have a lot of education on learning disabilities. And so I went my whole Um, elementary, junior high, and high school, never knowing. It was until I was an adult, and I constantly, I was working as an activity director slash social worker and assisted living, and I still felt the call to be a pastor. But I knew I would never be able to go to school because deep down, I was like, there's something up with me. I finally just had the nerve, and I paid for the testing myself, went to a psychologist's office, had the test done and you have to wait a while for it to come back. And it actually, the day that I was getting my results was my 30th birthday. Oh, wow. And um, she gives me the results. And, you know, of course there, it's not just dyslexia. It's like severe dyslexia. And so it was just, it was heartbreaking because I could, then I kind of felt like maybe I really can't be a pastor because How am I supposed to share the good news when I can barely read it? Mm. But this psychologist explained to me something I did not know existed, and that was called accommodations. And that changed my whole life. And she helped me write the accommodations that I needed. She helped me apply to the schools. And I talked to my local church, and I got a local church uh, license. And then I did the education and I got a district license and then I kept doing the education and the time and I got ordained just last April. 
Wow. So what sort of accommodations did you ask for? So the accommodations I get are um, audibles for every book that is needed, Mm -hmm. um, extra time on turning in work, extra time on tests. Um, If the test is like in person, then I have like the option to have someone read it to me Mm -hmm. because my computer is set up with a lot of dictation software. Mm -hmm. So mostly if it's a test online, I can highlight it and it'll read it back to me. Uh And then that comes in with the extra time frame because that takes it's an extra Extra step. Yeah, sure. Um, I like to tell people all the time what takes you 15 minutes takes me two hours Mm -hmm. um, just because of all the extra steps that we take. Um, That's pretty much it. I just need a lot of verbal um, because when I read, if I come upon a word that I don't have a context clue for, I cannot sound it out. So I will never know what it is if until somebody reads it to me. Hmm. Okay. So, um, you went through school and all that good jazz. Um, how did you decide on youth pastoring? Well, mostly because that's something that shaped me. It's mm-hmm. I was already too old to go into the children's group. So when Ashley right. took me to church, I went straight into the youth group. And that's just something that shaped me. I mean, and honestly, it's um, I didn't necessarily go to school to be a youth pastor. I went to school to for pastoring for Christian ministry mm-hmm. and Usually that's kind of just how it works out. You get a youth pastor job. Start as a youth pastor. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't have a problem with it. I love kids and I love Nerf Wars and (laughs) camps and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, and it's, and like I said before, we have to know that children's church and youth group is still important because it's, I mean, that's what saved me ultimately was someone that was learning about Jesus, told me about Jesus. So how did, or, I mean, you, you mentioned being heartbroken when you learned your diagnosis, how did you struggle maybe with God around your disability or, and, or how did you not struggle? And if you struggled, how did you come to terms with, you know? Yeah, I definitely, I still struggle today. Um, It's just, I think we all do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's just hard because there's still, um, I really just kind of had to come to terms with like, I'm never going to be a theologian. I'm never going to be able to have like these deep conversations with, you know, $10 words. (laughs) Um, I can, I do have those conversations sometimes, but I just know deep down that like, I can only go so far. And that does make me sad because mm-hmm. I want to be on the same level as everybody. But nobody's really on the same level of everybody. You know what I mean? We just always want to be where so- I think that's just like our American culture. And I just have to take a step back and be like, this is who I am. Like, I'm not a theologian. I'm a pastor. And my ultimate job here is to disciple people not to be a professor and teach these old Testament, like huge history things. Um, I love being able to hear and learn about it, but it is a struggle that, you know, I can't dictate it back to anybody Mm -hmm. as well as 
that person with the divinity can. Those are like the hardest parts um, and just struggling with, with that. Like I kind of get a little sad that I'm like, am I going to go through my life without knowing all the things that I can know about God? But I, to me, where I'm at today is a miracle in itself. And so I just have to remind myself of that, that I'm pretty happy with having a bachelor's degree and being ordained and, you know, rocking that education. So, yeah. Your classes always sound so fascinating, by the way. <laughs> um, so let's go into the faith questions. Um, I mean, we've been talking about faith, but I have some specific questions. So one is, um, how does the presence of God, how does knowing you have the presence of God help you on a daily basis? Oh, man, just being able to, to get up in the morning and, and just start working because I have the presence of God. Uh, you know, ideally, I would love to just get up and meditate and have some really deep time in that presence. But I'm off running and getting kids to school. But the presence of God is always there. I mean, it's the key goal in my mission of being a pastor and leading these youth so they can understand the presence of God. Mm -hmm. How many kids in your youth group or teens in your youth group, by the way? Uh, we have about 10. Okay. Is that middle school through high school or just high it school? Is. It oh, is. It wow. is sixth grade through 12th grade. So that's a big gap. <laughs> yep. That would be hard. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, that's what mine was in my little rural church for a while. But anyway. So obviously it does work because <laughs> anyway, um, who besides Ashley and her family are you thankful for along your faith journey? Oh, um, just a lot of people that have came before me, especially women. Um, I have a mentor. Her name is Amber Gunther. Um, there's a, a woman that was just established in one of the pretty big churches on our district. Her name is Gabby. And then our children's pastor, Megan, mostly just women, just because um, my boss is a man and he's pretty awesome. His name is Brent. But just right off the bat of working towards being ordained, it was very clear that even though the Nazarene church affirms women, um, there's still a stigmatism of women. And so just seeking out that mentor and wisdom from other women that have already walked this path is like super important to me. Mm -hmm. um, what resources would you recommend to someone interested in learning more about your disability? And um, then the second part of that question is what resources would you recommend to someone interested in growing in their faith and maybe their ability to minister to someone with your learning disability? So if books that I would recommend for people that are dyslexic or have ADHD, uh, one that's like a fiction book is Fish in a Tree by Linda Hunt. Um, she has 
I believe has a dyslexic child and she wrote a book about two characters, two kids that live in like a broken home, struggling in school, getting yelled at all the time. And this teacher comes and like a new teacher comes in and realizes that these kids have learning disabilities and their parents are, you know, so busy working. They don't realize it. They just think they're acting out. Um, it's a great book to really help if you're questioning anything for it to help you understand through this story instead of having to like understand it through like scientific research. Mm-hmm. Um, then when we come to like scientific research, I'm searching on my phone. Oh, overcoming dyslexia is really good. And then decoding. Dyslexia is one of my favorite books. Hmm. Um, then when it comes to like spiritual books, um, Crazy Love by Francis Chan actually changed. Um, it was one of the reasons why I really seeked out becoming a pastor um, and seeked out getting tested because he changed my view of like the way that the, the American church is. Hmm. And right. the Liturgy of the Ordinary by Trish Harris Warren is a really good book to help you be able to pause and know that everything that we do in life is important, is part of, it feels like it's ordinary, but it's really part of like the liturgy of this life that God has given us. Hmm. Those sound interesting. They all do, actually. Um. My second to the last question is, um, how have you seen the Lord working in and through you? And you can answer that with a recent or, you know, some way in your past. Just Well, just recently, um, I branched out and started doing a pumpkin patch fundraiser for our church. And I didn't necessarily set out to do it for financial reasons, even though we made some money on it. Uh, we have a really big front yard and we were able to put all these pumpkins right there in front of the yard, right by the highway. And just the amount of community that stopped by that we got to be able to be a part of because we were selling a pumpkin was amazing to me. Oh, cool! And so oh. I really felt like the Lord was working in me of like more community is a good idea, not mm -hmm. just reaching out and hoping that like these people come to our church, but just doing something for the community because we love the community. Um, and I'm definitely working on some other projects as the Lord leads me to, to what I feel continue to do my podcast and talk to other people that are, have dis disabilities or struggling with um, trying to figure out how to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, but I'm definitely learning more about community because it can be so hard in a church. Sometimes numbers become more important to people. And when I first got there, that kind of seemed like what the deal was. And you're just searching and trying to get people to come to your church. When, if we see how Jesus did it, that's not really you know, how this first church in Acts is really created. It's it's about caring for the people and caring for, like, their ability to meet Jesus, not 
your ability to count them as a number inside your church. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned your podcast. Where is your podcast? What's it called? My podcast is called uh, Dyslexic Pastor, and you can find it on all the podcast channels on Anchor, on um, Spotify, Podbean, all, all the good ones, on uh, Apple. Cool. Yep, I've seen it. It's good. <laughs> That's how I found you. you. Um, so the last question I have for you is how can my listeners and I be praying for you? Yeah, I appreciate that. I would just ask for prayer just during the um, Advent and Christmas season. Um, well, this will probably yeah. go out in January. So um... okay, well let's let's go for Lent. All right, <laughs> let's go for the Lent season. Uh, those just back to back Advent and Lent are um, they can be hard for in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, where really our church is really um, about following the liturgy calendar. And that's interesting. I attended a Nazarene church, and that was never a thing. Yeah. So it's it's our thing. It's not really um, a Nazarene thing, mm-hmm. but we love the liturgy calendar. It makes it just makes a lot of sense when you try to help people follow, like because a lot of people are like they just feel like bam, we're doing Advent, bam, we're in Lent. And it's like no, there's a whole system. Mm-hmm. It's not just us saying it's time for Lent. So we want them to understand that there's a whole liturgy calendar. Um, that can be followed that's very helpful. Tons of people complain about they don't know how to follow Jesus. They don't know where to start. The liturgy calendar is a perfect place to start. Listening to podcasts that just tells you what day it is, whether it's ordinary time, Advent, Lent, the Pentecost. It It's just like those small little details that kind of help you understand how the church timeline is set up and why we do what we do. That's important to our church. Mm-hmm. We do not want, especially like the youth group, I don't want them to tell people that they go to a Nazarene church and then someone asks them, well, what does that mean? And they say, well, I don't do fill in the blank. I want them to be able to say, this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to teach them. And I believe the liturgy calendar, the apostles creed, those are important um, to be able for people to be able to, tell people what they believe instead of what they don't do because they go to church. Mm-hmm. So during Lent, lots of prayer. I appreciate it. All right. Is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you'd like to share? No, this was a great time. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much.